Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 142. 142, baby. How are you? How are you? How are you? I'm great. And I have a guest for you today. It is the delicious Libby Westcomb. This is Lib's third time on the Warrior School podcast. Oh yeah, it is. And we had an epic conversation. We were originally going to talk about this micro trend of training with your cycle and how, you know, there have been a lot of rules and guidelines created around this topic and why you know, Lib and I believe that you need to focus on how well you fuel yourself and recover as we believe it has a bigger impact on your training than your cycle. So we actually wanted to dig into that because a lot of women uh, are a little confused around this training with the cycle stuff. So we were going to look at the science, the research. Uh, Lib has tracked some data around her cycle, some hardcore data. I have, you know, six years of training journals and data around my cycle. So we were really going to dig into that and look at the trend uh, and break, break down some myths around this training with your cycle stuff. But we're going to do a full podcast episode on that because we actually kicked off our convo talking about Libby's training and how she's in a muscle building phase. So we were talking about uh, training for building muscle and progression. And then, you know, we were chatting about how a lot of women ask us, you know, how do they progress their training? How do they continually make it harder How do they progress a movement or an exercise? You know, how do they know when to go up in weight? Uh, What do they do if they've had some time off? Like, how do they get back into their training? So we thought it would be really cool to do a full episode on how to confidently progress and modify your training so you can get stronger and build muscle. And I love this topic. I talk about it a lot inside of Warrior School. We're actually doing a live teaching call this month on how to confidently progress your training. I believe, you know, we need to know this. And a big part of Warrior School is me teaching the women that I work with how to train, the processes, the methods, how to approach their training how to have the confidence to make decisions when they're in their session to make something harder or to modify it or regress it based on what their body's telling them. So Lib and I today in our episode, we talk about how to confidently progress and modify your training. Knowing how to do this is an art. It really is an art. And, you know, Libby, and I talk about this today, but, you know, we've been coaches for 13 years. We've had solid training practices for just as long. So we've developed the art of being able to do this over the last, you know, decade or more. 
There are so many ways that we can progress our training uh, or even progress a movement and an exercise. And knowing how to do this will help you so much in your practice because when we don't have the confidence to progress our training or to progress a movement, we can get really stuck. And when we get stuck, we just do the same things over and over and we actually don't make progress. We're not getting stronger. We're not building muscle. We also talk about how to confidently modify your training. And this could be after having time off or it could be after coming back from being sick or, you know, we don't actually get into talking about injuries because there's a whole protocol or process or method behind rehabilitation. So it's more so, you know, you've had time off. Now, how do you get back into it? And there's also, you know, a bit of an art to that. So let's just do it. Let's just get into the episode. It was such a great conversation. I could just talk to Libby all day. Uh, we, we had such a cool time. So I hope you enjoy this episode on how to confidently progress and modify your training so you can get stronger and build muscle with the one and only Libby Westcomb. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Libby, welcome back hey. to the Warrior School podcast. Thanks for having me back. I always love it. <laughs> okay, well, I just want to start by asking how you are. Yeah, I'm really good. I've actually been um, doing like a muscle building phase myself, which has been really cool. Um, so like I, I've just been very proper about it this time in the sense that the last time I did it, I was probably not training as properly as I should have. And I would, you know, sometimes miss sessions or whatever. So this time I kind of made a commitment to myself to do as much as possible, no missed sessions, unless I'm sick or something's properly come up. Um, and yeah, I see a huge difference. Like I've definitely been adding muscle. I've been gaining weight slowly. Like I would say maybe like 250 grams a month. So it's definitely happening, which is good, but it's, it's, you know, I've been very proper about it this time and I'm kind of taking notes of everything and keeping it all. Like I'm journaling my whole journey as well, which I'd love to share like with my members and that, um, when I'm finished it and like photos and all that as well, but yeah, it's been really good. I've been loving it, loving training. Yeah. When uh, was the last time that you went into a phase like that? Yeah. So last year I did like a muscle building phase for, I would say about eight months. 
Um, and then I just went to maintenance, but I did kind of lose a bit of fat because I took my calories back down. So I kept training, but I would have, I would have probably lost about a kilo all up after my muscle building phase very slowly as well. That was like over three months. So, um, then I kind of just steadied that while I was focusing on my business. It was like Christmas and all that. And then I just went straight back into a muscle building phase, um, which, you know, a lot of people get scared of it because they think it means this huge amount of weight gain, but it's really just giving yourself that tiny bit extra energy each day so that your body's like, okay, we've got more than enough so we can put it towards muscle as opposed to like, you can do it at maintenance and at recomp and all that, but it's just so much more optimal to have a little bit more calories coming in. Um, so I, yeah, so it's basically been the whole of this year, except for the times I was sick, <laughs> which has only been two times, thankfully. Um, okay, yeah. cool. Can you, um, yeah, can you share like what that looks like, like in saying that it's been pretty much for the whole year, like what does the, what does the journey look like? What's the experience? Like, can you break it down for us? Um, yeah, sure. So I'm generally looking with myself because I'm quite an advanced trainer already. So it's pretty hard for me to put on muscle or to get stronger. So I'm really just looking to make sure that I am making gains still. So like, even if I'm just, you know, adding a rep here or there, I'm going from, you know, the 20 kilo dumbbells to the 22.5 within, a, you know, six weeks or something. I'm really, really happy with that because that itself is showing me that it, I'm putting on muscle. So that's probably my number one thing. The next thing is that I definitely do want the scale to go up a little bit. So I'm, th these are just like metrics that I'm looking at. So I'm looking at the scale. I'm making sure that, you know, if at any point in time it's going down for like a week, then I'm like, okay, it's time to bump the calories back up because I do find that as my calories go up, I also just become more energetic. So I end up burning more, just, I'm, I'm a bit of a hard gainer in the fact that like with putting fat and muscle on, like I tend to just kind of, my metabolism adapts to the extra calories by default. So I just become more active and I'm like this, like using my hands more. And so I notice it in that sometimes if I don't put the calories up, I'll start to sort of plateau or start losing fat, like losing weight on the scale. And I don't want that to happen right now. So mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on that. Um, really, really important things to me is my recovery, my movement, and also my sleep to kind of optimize training. So I've been really focusing on that a lot. Um, and then also just, you know, making sure that like my pre and post workout nutrition is, is really on point. So I try to front load as much of my carbs as possible. Cause I train usually around 2 PM. So I have a lot of carbs in me before then. Um, I always have an intra workout drink. I've been having this for like the last couple of years now, but it's just, um, orange juice, coconut water, salt, creatine. I take without fail, even on weekends. And then, um, I use cluster dextrin as well. And I usually put a little bit of whey protein in it too, just like clean whey protein. And I just have that every single day when I train. Um, yeah. And that's, those are kind of like my main, I guess, tips for building muscle is making sure that you have enough carbs coming in, particularly before that session. So you can really, you can really attack the session with everything you have. And you just have that energy for the entire session. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing, but you really do feel good on it and more energized than that. So I just, yeah, I've been loving it. Hmm. Um, I do have a question uh, that did pop up that I will ask you in a bit, but do you want to, what's the training been like for you? Do you want to talk us yeah. through like your, your practice yeah. for, I guess, yeah, the past year? So I've been doing five day a week 
um, muscle building program. So a hypertrophy based program, it's upper, it's lower body, upper body, lower body, upper body. And then I do what I call a development day, which is where I, it's obviously like a full body, but it's the muscle groups that I want to focus on. And I have extra movements on that development day, um, starting with Bulgarian split squats, which is like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and then I also do like one at the moment I'm doing one low intensity so an aerobic cardio session and I'm actually doing a hit session so a sprinting session as well, because I've got that extra energy and I feel like it really helps me with more having more power in my lifting. Um, so yeah that's what I'm currently doing at the moment so a nice good balance of everything. <laughs> Yeah. And then, okay, let's go like a layer deeper on your days. Uh, what are you focusing on when it comes to your lower body stuff? Um, I'm actually focusing on quads at the moment. Everyone's all about glutes, but I just find my glutes pretty easy to build compared to my quads. Being tall and having long legs, the quads, it's just, it's, it's hard, hard, hard work. So I do a lot of both um, like leg extension type work where I'm working it in the shortened position because that does that more inner like teardrop muscle and then I also do obviously like a lot more quad focused so not just like a squat but actually making it quad focused or like a hack squat making it quad focused you know using the heel elevate heel elevation to really target the quads because I think when you get to this point like where we're at we if we really want to build a particular muscle, we can't just be like, yay, let's just back squat. Cause that's kind of more of a full body. So yeah, I'm at that point where there's more specialization phases and um, yeah. So it's really all about the quads and also the calves. I've never really been about my calves, but I'm really trying to get them to grow. <laughs> so they're, two, <laughs> they're, they're my two lower body muscle groups I'm working on. I love that Libby's building bigger quads and bigger <laughs> calves and stronger. Yeah. Calf yeah. muscles are, yeah, they can be really hard to grow. You have to put a lot of time and a lot of yeah. work into getting, getting them. To, yeah. Same as the VMO. Like I've struggled like for, a, I hard. feel like for a female to grow her VMO, which is like the muscle that sits on the inside yeah. of your knee. Uh, it's really hard work. <laughs> Yeah, but it looks amazing when you have them both there, don't you reckon? And the calves, I've noticed that mine are not necessarily getting bigger, but they're getting more defined because I put a pair of heels on the other day and I was like all about that. I was just like checking it out in the mirror. <laughs> damn, damn, these calves look good in yeah. these heels. Yeah, <laughs> not like your your butt or anything, but just looking at your calves yeah. in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I like these heels. Yeah, they make my calves look defined. I love that. Who I don't think I've it's ever my, heard a woman say that before. I, I said it to my um partner Jamie, and I was like, "Here's my calfie," because everyone does like belfies and and like so. I'm like, "It's my calfie." He's like, "It's my It's my calfie. Good. I can't wait to see uh, it pop up on your platform. <laughs> yeah, a coffee. <laughs> Please make a post about that. <laughs> okay, so you're growing your quads and your calves. So you're training legs twice a week, did you say? Oh, no, three times. Well, you're... two and a half. Yeah, two, two, and a half. <laughs> two and a half, yeah. Okay, what about for your upper body? What are you doing? Yeah, so with my upper body, I'm actually trying to really target my lower lats a bit because um, coming from that CrossFit background, everything's just quite upper back focused. So we do a lot of pull-ups and we do a lot of, um, you know, like with kipping pull-ups, your elbows actually go past 
your shoulders. So it's this movement where you're kind of, you probably can't see this on the podcast, but your elbows go past in order to work the lats. We actually need to keep them from going past our back or our shoulders. So when they do go past, that really works more the upper back, the terrace, um, major muscles and, you know, more rhomboids, all that kind of stuff. So your upper lats get a little bit, but I do want to, from a balanced perspective, work my lower lats as well, just to bring them up. So I've been doing a lot of that, you know, those single arm lat pull downs. Um, yeah, just a lot of lat work, some cool movements that I do, which I was never doing before. And I feel like they're really growing. Um, and then obviously my shoulders, I'm, I love that too. I think my shoulders and my lats are my main you know, specialty that right now. <laughs> yeah. I was doing a little bit of shoulder work the other day and Carson was training with me. He's like, do you think that you need to grow your shoulders anymore? And my shoulders are pretty big from Olympic weightlifting. Like I don't train them that often because we had to do so much like strict oh, pressing man. and push pressing and jerking and like a lot of shoulder accessory work. So yeah, I very rarely trained them. And the other day I actually put some stuff in and they were just, they looked so big and cousins like, I don't think you need to train them, but um, they're fun. Actually shoulders are really fun oh, to, to grow yeah. and develop. They just look, they look so beautiful when they're, yeah, when they're developed. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it on women. Just a nice pair of delts. I'm just like, damn, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It looks, it turns me on, really. Yeah. yeah. Just the muscle turns me on. Yeah. 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 100%. Okay. Let's go a layer deeper. So, mm. how are you training them? Like when you want it, want to grow your quads and your calves and you want to grow your lats and your shoulders? Like, what does that, what does this session actually look like? Mm. So I think there's actually a bit of a misconception with women, which is good that you're asking this because I have been talking about talking about this with a few of my clients where you do want to kind of basically get to that point of failure. Like people always talk about going to failure. Now, so many women have this idea in their mind of what going to failure looks like. And when I'm talking about going to failure, I'm talking about going to muscular failure. So that's very different than going to lactic acid burn failure or cardiovascular failure. And I think that that's where there's this kind of misconception sometimes. So we're looking at like, I generally only do like two to three sets of my big compound movements, but I am pushing like between say seven to probably even six reps to 12 reps in that rep range and I'm really going heavy and going to failure. So it basically looks like I want to see, you know, all the reps stay the exact same in terms of form and range of motion, but you'll want to see obviously this unintentional slowing down of the speed of reps because you're like, if you're doing a bicep curl, you're there doing your reps. And then towards the end, you're like taking, it takes so long, but it's not any of your own doing. You're not purposely slowing it down. It's just your muscles are under that much, you know, mechanical tension that it's happening. So that's the type of, that's the exact thing that will build muscle. Um, and this is where I think that there's this misconception because a lot of like some of my one-on-one -on -one clients will say, okay, I did my three sets of six and I did them really well and went to failure, but I'm still, I'm not tired. Like I can still, I've recovered. So can I go get some lighter weights and then do a set of 20 to get that real burn? <laughs> and I'm like, no, don't do that. Like that's going to take away from what you're going to do next, which is you want, you know, you want this good quality reps 
Um, and there's, of course, there's a time and place for that. Like you have, you know, sometimes you'll have metabolic phases where that's the goal because, you know, you're trying to do that. But yeah, to build muscle, that's kind of the way I am with every single muscle group. So controlled, really good form, controlling that eccentric phase a little bit when you're lowering the weight down, not just smashing through them. Um, and then allowing the pace of your reps to slow down unintentionally because you're really getting close. You don't have to go all the way to failure. Like you don't want to get stuck under a bench press or something, but they should, you should know, you know, they should slow down. So that's pretty much what it looks like for me with, yeah, with all my, um, strength movements. I mean, the accessory ones I'll do towards the end with higher reps, like 15, 20 reps sometimes, but yeah, still always trying to either increase the weight if I can, or add an extra rep or, you know, sometimes even I'll do, if I can't add an extra rep, I'll do something like, okay, so this week, this set of eight was really, really hard. And those last few reps took so much out of me. So if next week I can then repeat that same set of eight, same form, same everything. And those last few reps take a little bit less out of me then I know that's progression. So that's kind of where I'm at because it's hard to progress sometimes. Um, so yeah, does that kind of answer it? Yeah, no, I really love that. And I'm a little obsessed right now with talking about this whole concept of how do we confidently modify our training from a progression perspective. And also sometimes, depending on what's going on, we need to know how to confidently modify it if the body's stressed or we have an injury or so there's yeah. that that. Um, and I don't even like to call it a regression because it's just yeah. the ability to be able to modify the session based on what oh, we're yeah. doing and what the body's telling us. So yeah, I'm a little obsessed right now with helping women understand how can I confidently modify or progress my training. And so let's, can we talk about that a little bit more, like go through all the different ways that are like progression or modification. I know you just mentioned uh, three and I'm totally cool if you mention them uh, again. I think they're really helpful to hear. Yeah. So I think that there's like, it's not just about, oh, always needing to add weight to the bar. That's what, and there's a misconception as well, because it can be a little bit terrifying sometimes when you see someone like me doing a deadlift or like Amy doing a, you know, a squat with her weight. And it's just like, I'm literally using 20 kilos. I'm supposed to get to there. So you have to kind of get away from this idea of what should I lift? What weight should I lift? What is heavy? Because what is heavy is completely subjective. And it, what's heavy for you is what's heavy for you. And it doesn't matter what anyone else is lifting. So as long as, like I said, you're feeling that stimulus and you're feeling it slow down the reps and you're really feeling that it's heavy for you, then all you want to try to do is gradually build that up. Now, sometimes, you know, you just can't get to that next weight. So there's other things that you can do as well. Like you can do, you can use tempo sometimes where you're actually purposely, you know, slowing a rep down or you're pausing. Like, let's say you're stuck on 60 kilo squats and you just can't seem to do 62.5, but you've been doing 60 for ages. You know, if you went and then did like a four week phase where you're doing paused squats at say 55 kilos or 50 kilos, I can guarantee you'll go into your next phase and you'll be able to then do 62.5 or 65 because these things always have, um, they flow onto each other. So, you know, I have an example with my lunges, I was doing um, step back lunges and I got to a point where they just weren't feeling good anymore. And like, they were super heavy, but I was like, I'm not sure that I'm ready to go up to that next weight yet. Cause 
barbell lunges, it's also like a big balance component there. So I actually regressed. So I took the weight down and I did deficit step back lunges. So I put a weight plate in front of me and it's the exact same movement, but I'm increasing that range of motion with a lighter weight. I did that for, I think a block of six weeks and I just brought that weight back up. I got to the point where my deficit step back lunges were up to where my first set, like my first um, normal lunges were at. And then when I went back to normal lunges, I went straight back to that heavy weight that I was afraid of because I had actually like been patient enough to work with my body and where my body was at and what felt ready for my body as well. Like I was like, I don't feel like I'm ready for that heavy weight, having that 80 kilos on my back, right? It's like super heavy. So building those stabilizer muscles and going into a deficit and doing that, like the deficit lunges, just they're obviously that much harder because the range of motion is harder. So it built my confidence up as well. Cause then when you go back to a normal one, it's like this, even this feels so high and easy, right? Like, yeah. So I think that, I think sometimes people get super obsessed with the concept of lifting heavier. Cause we always, we smash on about it all the time on Instagram. And cause you know, some people do need to lift heavier, but also just having, being patient with your body and making it less about the ego of trying to reach those reach that one weight you have in your mind, less about that and more about the journey of getting there. That's what excites me. It's like, what can I, how can I regress this or how can I progress the range of motion to make it harder so I can then eventually get the heavier weight. And yeah, I think I love, for me, that's an obsession even with my programming. It's like, so my clients aren't, aren't really progressing. So I can do this variation of that movement which makes it harder in certain parts, which is where they are weak, but they're doing it at a lighter weight because it's obviously a harder variation and therefore they get stronger for the one big movement. So yeah, I think that that's kind of how you can think about your training sometimes. You know, you should always have that grit and that that desire to do better and that desire to lift more and that, but it doesn't have to be always a heavier singular weight. Yeah, it, I believe there is an art to it. There is an art to understanding how to progress something. And and like Libby said, it's not always about the weight. There are so many things that we can do with a movement or a skill or an exercise that makes it harder uh, and that supports progression, but may not be progressing the weight. And so it might not be as impressive on Instagram, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you said weight. So weight is one variable, you know, we can play with the weight tempo. So you talked about Mm -hmm. tempo. So changing the, the the speed of the movement, adding pauses in our, especially, you know, when we think about squatting and lower body are amazing. Uh, you, I just wanted to list them just so when someone's thinking about their training and they're like stuck on a particular movement, uh, actually let's pick. So the squat, let's go through, let's recap all the ways that we could progress it. So we feel a bit more confident and what are some things that you look for or what could we look for to know maybe what one that I need to pick like what's a good progression modification for for me maybe when it comes to the squatting yeah let's go through that 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think the squat, well, there's always like you could go from a squat if you have access to a normal gym, sometimes just taking time off the squat if you've been doing it for a while and jumping on something like a hack squat or a leg press where you have that support and that stability once you've learned I think it's important to learn the foundation movement first of the squat but once you know that foundation movement if say you, you're you know you might be at that point where you don't have just that much stability to go up in the heavier weight or something you could jump on a hack squat or a um, leg press and it's the same actual movement but you just have so much more support so you could build weight up there for a bit and then go back to the squat and that will transfer over nicely to an increased squat um you know sometimes okay, i just want to pause you for a second so i'm going to go like real deep on this uh yeah so when you say if you feel like you don't have the stability to go up in weight what does that feel like what does that look like how you know, for someone that maybe yeah. isn't sure about that, like, yeah. yeah, can you explain that? I would say sometimes it feels like more of a nervous system fatigue or a lower, you start feeling it in your lower back. That's what happened to me with the lunges when they got heavy. It just goes out of the muscle that you're trying to target and it goes more into a full body fatigue feeling. So that's when you know that it's going to cost you a lot for, to recover from. Um, oftentimes most people have a point with weight where it gets to that point. So with a squat, you know, you might technically be able to do it. If you were doing a powerlifting comp and you had to do it, you could do it, but it's not really working for your body anymore. So if it gets to that point where, or you might start having like, you know, you might feel like your joints aren't recovering properly from it or whatever it is. This is not that you can't do the actual weight, but we need to develop more muscle in the quads, more muscle in the glutes and that's starting to take away from it. So if you can then go to something where there's full support, like a machine, you can develop that pure muscle in your quad and glutes. And then when you go back to the barbell, you're just going to have more mass on you. You're going to have more. So you'll be able to do that weight without it fatiguing. You know, it's like a systematic fatigue that I feel people start to feel like with the, yeah, any sort of barbell movements, even like really heavy hip thrusts. It's like, I'm not feeling these in my glutes anymore it's just this overall I'm like you don't need to go that heavy with you know hip thrust we can do like a glute bridge or yeah yeah I really like how um you reference when it starts to go out of the muscle and penetrates other areas of the body and you're like I actually can't feel the activation of my glutes or I can't hold it for a second at the top and you know and that is an indicator that the yeah. weight is just too heavy that the body actually you can't control it so therefore you can't activate the the muscle, um, right, muscle. okay yeah. so the squat one is stability so when you start to feel what we just spoke through that would be um taking it to like a machine-based movement, yeah. hack squat, leg press, maybe doing leg extension work, like working on your quads uh, yeah. and then coming back to the bar. Yeah. And yeah, okay. What is another one that you would play around with, with the squat if someone feels stuck and maybe it's not a stability? Well, it yeah. is, like you said, you know, we get to a weight and we're trying mm. to get to the next weight. And sometimes it is a bit of a stability issue like that. We're just not strong enough to tolerate the weight. So how else could we modify it? Yeah, um, you could go into like we talked about before, paused reps. So sometimes taking the weight down is the better regressing like we said is the better approach and making the movement harder so let's say that you really do you know you're maybe you're struggling a little bit with hitting that depth when it gets heavier right and you're trying everything you can you have something there but it's just it's just playing with your mind so much and you just can't focus fully on it if you do something like elevating your heels that can help just give you that little bit more of you know 
um, stimulus on the quads and it helps you with that depth and that so you could change you could sort of play around with your stance you can play around a little bit with you know your um, helping you like with a heel elevation that type of thing um, you could go into something like a pause squat like we said with a lighter weight all of these things that we're doing are going to require you to go lighter so if you start doing heel elevated back squats right you're probably going to have to go a bit lighter that's fine because you can you can still be working close to failure with that weight. it doesn't have to be this constant chase for the heavier and the heavier um, if you do a pause squat you're going to have to go lighter but these things all transfer over to strength so you do become stronger when you go back to just that normal squat usually so um yeah, what, one thing I did is I don't currently have squats in my program and I haven't for the last probably six months now because I just went to lunges. Um, so you could sometimes, you know, if you feel like you're, I felt like with the squats, I just wasn't putting on muscle anymore. Even if I was going up in weight really slowly, it's just, like I said, it's just very much a systematic fatigue because if once you're like over a hundred kilo squats, it's, it takes a lot out of you. So I just changed over to lunges and I'm doing really, really heavy um, split squats and lunges. And that, you know, just that change is obviously growing my quads a lot and transferring over in a different way. So yeah, you could do a little more, I guess, maybe unilateral type work. You could do more split squats. There's so many split squat variations. They're just as good as squats, especially if you've already done the foundational work in squats. Um, yeah, those are some options. Yeah. You okay. could even do, sorry. No, you, you could go. Things like cluster sets, which I love. Um, cluster sets is basically like if you're doing, let's say I'm doing 100 kilo squats and I can get eight reps out of 100 kilos, right? And that's like my limit. A cluster set would be going for four reps and then quick resting for like 15 seconds. So you re-rack it, then you go for another four reps, re-rack it, then maybe I could get 12 reps because I've had that little break in between, but it's actually adding more progressive overload because I'm still taking it to failure with extra reps. So that's another one. There's also, you know, um, it's very similar to rest pause, but rest pause is more like you're holding on to the weight still, but you're just taking a couple breaths. So there's different, you know, and then there's like mechanical drop sets. We can get into all those as well, which is like where you're resting and then you go down and wait and then you do another set. Sometimes we can start getting too much into these type of things where you're going for like that burn though, where it's just like, let's chase the burn. So you have to make sure that whatever you're doing, it's still focused on getting stronger. Yeah. Um, and supporting like building muscle mass building as muscle. well. Yeah. 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 And that's what we'll keep it focused on today. Like when we're talking and we're talking mm -hmm. about like confidently progressing the training, we're talking about it from a strength perspective and then like a muscle building perspective. Uh, yeah, I love cluster sets as well. I think they're super effective. They're really powerful. Yeah. Uh, and that rest for, you know, 10 seconds, 15 Perfect. seconds, that allows us to keep, um, you know, the quality of the movement pattern, the range, the stability, and then we can get out extra reps. I think yeah. they're an amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's also, um, it's also, what's the word? It's, rather than like sometimes you see someone do a set of squats and they're really pausing between those last few reps because they're tired, but they still want to get that number. 
you can't regulate that from week to week unless you have like an exact time that you're resting. I know sometimes it's not always that important, but you know, did you really beat your one? Did you really beat your last week or did you just hold the bar there for like an extra 10 seconds so you could get that rest? We need to know these things if we want to progress properly. So if you do um, rest pause sets, you actually have the timer there and you're literally 15 seconds. You can't cheat that as easy. So it, you know, it just makes it a lot more um, from week to week, you know, your progressions are real rather yeah. than just relying on how you feel when you're doing the set. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we gave an example using the squat. Do you want to give an another, like another example? Uh, mm -hmm. I know that the art to it or the process and the method is very similar, but let's, you know, let's pick an upper body movement and say we're really stuck on developing the strength of that or seeing progress in that and talk mm -hmm. about some ways that we could confidently modify. Yeah, so like we could say bench press, for example, if you're doing a barbell bench press, like that's something that just honestly, it, you just get stuck with that a lot. So um, one thing that I was doing in my program is I was trying to do three sets of eight, of eight to 10 reps and I just couldn't go up in the weight. So I think I was at like 52.5 kilos and I just couldn't go to 55 and hit that first rep range of eight um, for like the longest time, but I was hitting my rep ranges with the 52.5. So I actually pulled the reps back a little bit and I started my first set and I just wanted to hit six reps at that first set. And then I did the next two sets with the lighter weight. So you can, you don't always have to be really stuck on doing that one weight for all the sets. So, you know, you can work with rep ranges a little bit. So what that does is you just, you're nice and fresh for that first set. You only have to get six out and then you can build that first set. So then you can get seven reps and then you can get eight reps. And eventually you're going to be doing that weight for all of them, but it's a very slow progression, but it's really, it's a really good way to do it with an upper body lift because they're so much harder to progress for women as well. Um, another thing is I find taking it to dumbbells for a while is so good. Um, go from barbell to dumbbell. Like you will be humbled <laughs> if you have any sort of like um, mismatch between um, your limbs, like your arm strength, even your legs with the lunges, the same thing. But yeah, take it to dumbbell for a bit or go more incline dumbbell on a bench. That really is helpful. Um, I think even just doing other like other lifts that transfer over really well, because like I started doing a lot more dips with the weighted the weighted dips um, and they really helped my bench press as well. Um, that transfer over nicely certain dips like working your triceps if your tricep is a weak area working your triceps will transfer over nicely to the bench press. Um, and you could probably even just get stronger in your bench without even doing bench if you build your triceps so it's yeah there's a lot of it's a very like very intricate sometimes with how to progress when you get to a certain level. Um, but yeah, even, you know, you can get into things like with my members, I used like a band around. So you put the band around the bench and then you put the band on the dumbbells and you're pressing and you're getting, you're just getting the tension in a different place. Um, you don't have that with dumbbells. You, you just don't have that much tension. This, you can also use this with a cable to get that same thing. If you can manage to get your bench under a cable. So you get tension for longer in the movement. So that's going to add strength as well at a lighter weight yet again. Um, yeah, a lot of these things are helpful if you're working from home and you don't have endless options of weights also. Yeah. Um... And again, it's an art, you know, I know people may be listening are just like, how do there's so many and how, how do I know what to pick? And yeah. this is why, you know, this is why you work with a coach because mm -hmm. the coach has been doing it for 
decades and it's an art and also like a big thing you know a big mission of mine is to teach women how to train and I know that's yours too Libby like how to do it like how do we approach it? Like, how do we confidently modify our training? Like to learn that I Mm. think is one of the most powerful things that we can do for our practice. Yeah. I think when I was sick this time, um, I, this is something I see with a lot of women as well. They just, they just kind of like something happens, like maybe they get sick or they go traveling and everything just gets thrown out because they come back and they're like, I can't do what I was doing before. I was at this high level with my, and I can't do that. Like, so, and then it, it's becomes this resistance for them because they don't know how to get back into it. Um, and like what I did was I'd actually just come off a deload week when I got sick. So I had already had a deload week. And then obviously I had to take about a week and a half off training. I just did some light stuff. And then I just like, I went in with no pressure and I just went in to match the weights that I did during my deload to start with. So I didn't even think about the ones before. And then the second week after I went up a little bit more, but I still wasn't up to that same because it was my like before my deload, I was peaking. So it's that peak week, as I call it. So I didn't even get to that until like probably next week will be because I was sick recently. So I think it's taking that pressure off yourself, but and being like being okay with it being enough when you just do what you can do. Like it's not it's not an ego game. It's literally just getting back in and starting that habit back up. Um, and then going for it when you're ready. Yeah, let's talk about that. So that is also a skill and an art in itself. Like how do we confidently modify our training after time off, after being sick, after, you know, we won't get into injury because obviously there's a whole protocol and process to rehabilitate an injury. A lot of women that we work with you know, a lot of uh, women here have just come off summer holidays. And so their rhythm gets completely changed because the kids are out of school. And so then they get all this like friction around like trying to get back into their practice. So let's talk about how do we confidently modify our training after periods of time off, whether that's just from life or from sickness, like how do you teach women how to approach that, Lib? Yeah, I actually like to use the magic number of 70% because I find that that's a really good starting point. So I usually say 70% of your previous volume. So for me, I was doing five days a week. So last week I only did three and I was really happy with those three. I had rest days between each one. Um, And then also sometimes 70% of your weight, 70 to 80%. I feel like if you go in knowing that you're going to hit 70% that week and then that's your goal, like you're happy with that, that's your goal. Um, the same with the reps, the same with like the weight, I I pretty much did all my reps, but I did 70% like of my weight, my maximum weight. Um, and I think that going in with a plan is what's missing because, you know, it's the same with like diet. People are like, Oh, I went off my plan because I went to this wedding. I'm like, but you should have planned to go off your plan. Like a plan is what so many women are missing because they just have this all or nothing mindset. So go in with a plan. And then if you're really, if you're doing 70% and you plan to like, good job, you've nailed it. It's not a failure. So I think, yeah, I like to use that number. I just find it's good. Like if you're doing, you know, if you're doing three sessions, normally start, get your one session in that week and then bump it up to two and then go to three. Like, yeah, that's pretty much how I like to do it. Okay. I like that. So we've got Libby's 70% rule around frequency of sessions. And then 
even um, effort within the session, like 70%. uh, Mm -hmm. Talk to me, are there any other ways that you approach it or help women uh, approach it within the the practice? I think putting it back onto your calendar is a big one. Because I feel like you can't just go from not from going like say you're on holidays or you're traveling or you've been sick and you obviously had more time, which is nice because like when I was sick, I was getting more things done with my business because I didn't have those two hours a day, let's be honest, with driving to the gym and driving back that I like prioritize my training. Um, so all I had to do was put it back into my schedule, the days that I was going to do it and the times work around anything I have on. And then, you know, you can just go to the gym and you know that no one's going to be, you're not going to be like rushing to get back home because you've blocked that time out for yourself. And again, it's this, it's this mental mindset thing for a lot of us where we feel like a failure if we don't do it perfect. Whereas why don't you create what perfect is for you in this time? Like perfect for you is putting it in your calendar and only doing 70%. You know what I mean? So I think, yeah, put it in your calendar for sure. Like after holidays, you've got to put that stuff back in your calendar. You're not going to want to go train. I'm sorry. <laughs> we um we absolutely love to swing on the pendulum. We love to swing from hard left, which is, you know, just like doing it all and like pushing to like hard right, which is not doing anything at all. And then we just swing back and forth on this pendulum and coming into the middle creates so much friction for women. Yeah. I call it the messy middle because it really is. It's like so hard for people (laughs) with anything. There's like, they want to be like one extreme or the other. So yeah, it's be, it's finding that messy middle and then making it like more comfortable for you just be comfortable with not being perfect all the time yeah well like the either end of the pendulum is there's clarity yeah it's either I'm doing nothing and I'm not doing anything at all or I am perfectly following the program to the T and hitting it every time over and over but then we get into yeah what you call the messy middle is that there is an art to being able to navigate the messy middle. And this is like what Libby and I do through our work. It's like, you got to be okay. And you have to learn how to navigate that middle piece. And part of it is being able to confidently modify your Mm -hmm. training. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think something like putting it on your calendar is like, even if it sounds kind of dumb, like I'll just do it anyways, even if it's on my calendar, because I know that time's free. Putting it on your calendar takes that. It's like when you just have this option to maybe do it and maybe not do it because it's not on your calendar. It's this open loop. It's this like, should I do it? Or maybe I'll give it another miss today because I'm not feeling hundred percent, but are you actually, or you just don't want to do it? Do you know what I mean? If it's on your calendar, unless something's proper, like you really aren't feeling it or you're getting sick or whatever it is, you're probably going to likely be more likely to do it. And it takes the stress out of it. It's not an op. It's not an option of stressing. Like some people said, tell me they spend their whole morning ruminating over whether they're going to go to the gym or not. And then I'm just like, if, if, cause it's not on their calendar, it's like a whole, like, so much stress involved. It's like, just, it's just something you need to do. Just go to the gym. When you do that first set, you'll feel better. Honestly, it's like this for everyone. Like it's not such a big deal. Like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm just not hundred percent today. So I can't train. It's like, just go to the gym and see how you feel. Just start, you know, it's not going to kill you. It, it's like, yeah. 
I tell that to women all of the time is you have to choose to be the woman that shows up to the practice Mm -hmm. and check in with the body and just see how the body there are so many days where I don't feel like training I just I I just want to give up I just don't want to train but I am the woman that does the practice unless obviously we're deathly sick or whatever but I often tell them very rarely are we going to be flying on 110% battery in our life. It just doesn't exist. And so we have to be okay with showing up to training sometimes at 70% or 80%. And now this is where this whole concept of confidently modifying your training can help. But also sometimes you can just fucking surprise yourself. Just like sometimes I don't feel great and I just have a banging session and it's just amazing (laughs) i agree and there's also magic of that first getting that first thing done so once you get to the gym and you do that the warm-up and you get your first movement out of the way i promise you you're not going to go home unless you're genuinely sick or you genuinely need a deload you're just not you're going to be like hell yeah i did that and you're going to finish your session and then you're going to feel like a million bucks yeah it's um it's a really important concept because so many of us don't show up to the practice because we don't feel a hundred percent or a hundred and ten percent. And if we keep waiting for that, <laughs> we're not gonna show up to the practice. Uh mm-hmm. and so someone else was telling me today in a chat that that she's a they're coaches as well, and they're like, so um so many of my people are saying I don't have the energy to train. And I was like, see, the thing is training is what gives me the energy and the strength to do life. It's like, they have it backwards. You don't, you're not supposed to get this rush of energy right before your training session. Like what the hell who's, where's that energy going to come from? You don't just get this rush of energy. It's literally the consistent training that gives you so much more resilience for life and strength and energy. So I think we need to swap that sometimes. Absolutely. And that's so powerful, Libby. We need to keep our nervous system strong so we can consistently show up to the practice because training will change your posture for every other area of your life. It's the training that needs to happen. That is like the number one thing. And like you said, people have it backwards. They do. And there's studies that show that training, so the actual, like, obviously we train for muscle, right? But we also should train because exercise has effects on like immediate effects on insulin sensitivity, immediate effects on blood glucose management, immediate effects on metabolic flexibility. These things are different from the effects that eventually it has on the adaptations and building muscle. These effects happen the day after training at 48 hours after you do strength training. And if you aren't doing it consistently, you're missing these things. And these are huge aspects to metabolic health so I often say there's two reasons to do strength training or training in general the one is obviously the muscle building which has to happen from the adaptations which is a separate thing like of course we need to do it for that and we need to do it consistently for that but then there's also those immediate benefits to the metabolism like I mentioned that have that it's even without the muscle like we haven't got the muscle yet but we're still going to get those benefits because it does all that to your body just the act of training um regularly yeah it is um it is so powerful it is so important uh so you got your 70 percent rule 
on frequency, on volume or intensity in the training. Uh, and then the showing up, like show up to the show training up. and just check in with the body, meet the yeah. body where it's at, but yeah. get there, <laughs> show up. Yeah. Okay. That's Is huge. It- actually. I think that's so huge because so many people decide before they even get to the training session that they're not going to train. So I, I love that. I'm like, you know, once you get to the gym, then you can, if you really need to quit, do that first movement first, right? And then make the choice. Cause then you're not just going by your feelings and emotions. You know, I think that's awesome way to, it's a good for a lot of people. Yeah. Also it becomes an art. And, you know, I often tell my women that you, you have to show up to the practice, but then you also need the superpower to have the humility to walk away from it. Yeah. If you truly know it's like, not going to work for you. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that's pretty rare, I find, with women, which shows me that a lot of times it's not a genuine physical need need to not train, but it's a mental issue and a mindset issue. Yeah. Um, I was saying to someone the other day, uh, I'm doing like deliberate hot cold exposure. And it's been extremely interesting to watch people's relationship with discomfort. It's, and I've always been very fascinated. You know, we've been in the industry now for like 13, 14 years or whatever. I find it really fascinating that people Mm -hmm. do not have a great relationship with discomfort, especially physical discomfort. So when we started the call and you were talking about your muscle building phase and your training, the first thing I thought is like, she's just like training her butt off. Like she is like pushing hard to get those results to get that 250 grams on this scale I need a muscle, I know. <laughs> yeah and this is another concept of you know again it's an art and the deeper you get into your training I, I think you can start to really understand how hard you have to train to get the results that you want yeah. oh my gosh yes I know I completely agree with that and that's what's definitely missing with a lot of people as well and this is where I kind of see the issues of everyone still trying to get the benefits that muscle gives you with stuff that's not going to give you that benefit it's just not but it's easier like you know you can't you can't lymphatic massage your way to muscle you can't you know what I mean you just can't like you can't even the whole fascia obsession I I agree with it like we need to be concerned about our fascia but it's a whole lot easier to go and get a fascia massage and think you're going to have this beautiful posture and you're going to be metabolically healthy and have great muscle tone than it is to put in the work day after day to build the muscle like I'm sorry but you can't fascia your way to muscle you know you can't gua sha your way to muscle you can't do this stuff which is easy And yes, I'm not saying it's not good to do it. Of course it's good. Like I do it. I do lymphatic, um, like body brushing. I love that. Like it makes me feel good. I do it like, you know, but you can't like, even with your cold, um, cold baths, you're not thinking that that's going to build muscle. Do you know what I mean? You're not thinking like that's going to be the key of all keys to longevity. And it's where people are still. And, and we, we can talk about it, like ad nauseum and like talk about it on our Instagram about the importance of muscle building, but it's never going to get the same response as someone who goes and posts about some longevity hack or some, it's just doesn't. And I see it so clearly. And everyone's just like, here she goes again, talking about muscle building. 
but that's because it's hard work. It really is. Like, it's just, it's not easy and it takes time and it's not instant and it's not that instant, you know, cool, trendy thing. So I think it's really important to also talk about that. It is hard work, but it's so worth it. Yeah. I loved your post that you made a few weeks ago about uh, your training age and how long you've been training. Uh, and, you know, I, from that, and there was a couple of other things that happened in the week that I did a podcast on comparison. Uh, yes. And I spoke a little bit about um, you and the post that you made and our training age and you, you know, when people look at you or they look at me, that you're looking at 13 years of, of like hard work, you know, and I'm so honest about this, that I trained a lot and I trained hard and I've always done that for a solid yeah. 13 years. And I know you're the same Libby, like you train hard. <laughs> Like there was no years off. And I see this a lot. I get messaged on, on Instagram about, Hey, so I took three months off or I took four months off. So I want to get back into it. I'm like, why did you take that much time off? It's not, I can tell you, telling you right now, I've had a lot of friggin' life shit happen to me as well, but it's still just been training has been like a thing that I just try to do. Like, do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's the, it's the hard training, but it's also the, the longevity of it. It's that muscle, like muscle maturity that you grow and you build. Yeah. Like you said, at the start of the call, like, cause you're so advanced, you're so deep into the practice mm. that you have to work essentially even harder to, mm. to get. get, yeah. To build any little, gain. <laughs> any little gain. Yeah. I remember it. Oh. So <laughs> there is an amazing uh, Chinese Olympic weightlifter and he, uh, I remember seeing a post years ago around it took him, oh, I think it was two years to put two kilos on his snatch because he was like, he was so, at the peak, like at the ceiling, like he had been training for decades and he mm. was an amazing world-class athlete that can lift this an, a crazy amount of weight. It took him two years to put two kilos on his oh Talk about the long game. But that's, you know, like when you get to this. Far us into, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just so hard to put weight on a lift that like, you know, you've been doing for so long and it's at a decent weight. <laughs> I know that's awesome. Like that's incredible. Um, yeah. I think like, I think like in some ways when you say that people get, people think you're trying to say it as well to like, I guess, like scare them a little bit or whatever, but it's not like that. It's literally just, you can't keep looking for those shortcuts. You can't keep stopping and starting. You can't keep, you know, if you really want the benefits of strength training, which are so incredibly amazing and they need to be talked about more um, from a health perspective. Like I get so excited when I read all the stuff about how it's so beneficial for longevity and health as well. Mm. Um, if you want those, you have to put in the work though. That's just the way it is. Like you have, it's one of those things you cannot cheat in life. You cannot supplement your way to it. You just, I mean, steroids maybe, but it probably comes with all sorts of bad side effects. 
but like that's pre pretty much the only cheat there is for muscle building right and when you look at someone and you walk down and you see someone that's got those shoulders and they have a, they stand up tall and they look healthy and they look vibrant you cannot help but respect the work that they put in and i think that's something i love about it because it's just one of those things that's left in life that you can't you can't get you can get friggin butt injections but you can't build you can't get like shoulders and biceps without putting in the work you know <laughs> yeah and look if I, you know, I am super curious why that would make you scared, Do you know, like me saying that, like, why are you afraid of that? Uh, because it's the truth. And, you know, one thing that makes it less scary is having someone to lead you through it for sure. And this is why, you know, I've worked uh, with coaches for years and having a plan, working with someone who, you know, I like to say, talk about this concept of a table like go and sit with women that are where you want to be go and sit at their table and don't yeah. compare from this negative place compare yeah. be inspired if you yeah, want to be strong yes we need more of sitting at the table go and sit at the table with the big girls I like to say and that's what I've done my entire life it's like I've yeah. seen people that have done what I want to do and I just go and sit at the table and that's where you're going to learn how to do it and yeah it's scary to sit at that table but that's too fucking bad it's <laughs> like, more scary to stay the same right it's yeah. more scary to just never reach your goals like yeah and I'm yeah to me it creates a lot of friction around like when people get scared by saying it's going to take like 13 years obviously it didn't take 13 years to like look the, like the way that my body looks or our composition has changed a little bit over the years but you know we we get strong along the way yeah we we get the changes along the way it's just it yeah. takes years it doesn't yeah. take weeks or months and then if we're not yeah. consistent you're back to kind of square one every time pretty much I mean there's a little bit of muscle memory but yeah that's a big one for me is the consistency and it's not enough said for because now as well, like in this day and age, there's a lot of the trend is like, you know, the feminine energy and listen to your body. And if your body says no, then don't. And it's like, I get that. And I, I'm very feminine as well. So I understand that like the energy is different from day to day, you know, like based on our cycles. But I think that that can kind of pull away from the, the whole concept of consistency. And they and, it you know, you should still be able to be consistent and listen to your body. And there's that missing with, you know, that consistency aspect and not just consistency, but frequency. You need to develop the muscle and the habit. You need to have the frequency for the habit side of it and also for your muscle. Um, and that's not going to come if you keep stopping and starting and yeah, basing everything on how you're feeling like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to talk about around, um, like the concept of modifying training and feeling confident in that before I ask you a couple of other questions? Um, I think, I really think it comes down just because I work with so many women and I really think it comes down to being okay with what enough is for you and then being super consistent with that. Because I, I'll tell you an example with one of my one-on-one -on -one clients, 
she wanted to do a six day a week training program. And she was just obsessed with this. She's like, I've arranged my, my schedule for it. She has it all booked in. Um, obviously like I controlled the programming. So I made sure it was fine, but she was only consistently for like the longest time, I would say six weeks hitting four days a week consistently. And this was always because something came up, something came up, you know what I mean? And I, I, I'd sort of said to her so many times, I don't like they're saying six days a week and you're only doing four days a week. Not because I think you need to do six days a week, but because it is playing with your self-trust. You are not keeping this arbitrary promise that you made to yourself and that's playing on your mind and it's this perfectionism. So I said, I really need to, I really think we should make it four days. You know, we tried to do that in five days. It's still, and it's just, she always had some reason why she couldn't do that last day. So we scrapped it and we did four days and now she's just consistently getting stronger and she's building muscle and she's hitting her sessions and she's ticking them off every week. And that confidence that comes from ticking off those things you're doing and the consistency of that is, I think that's so much more important than trying to, you know, always have this intense thing that we can't hit. So rather than always needing to modify, I think that we need to make sure that what we're doing in the first place is is really good for our lifestyle and fits in nicely. And if it doesn't, then we need to change the plan because it needs to also fit into your lifestyle. Um, and then, as I said, if you need to modify, then you, like if you genuinely need to modify something and it's coming from a place of I'm just not doing well this week or maybe something happened, you had a family emergency or whatever, then just be okay with that, that being your best for that week because you know that you're gonna get back to normal, right? You're gonna get back to your normal routine. So it's this, I think again, it, it comes down to like letting the ego go. Like there's this ego we all hold on to of how we have to be this certain way and do, you know, always accomplish these things. But it's really just letting that go and coming from a, the point of, am I not just bullshitting myself here, but am I really needing to take this time off or modify my training session or whatever it is? And then accepting that and just, that's what, that's what you're gonna give that week. That's literally it. And I'm totally okay with that. Um, rather than holding on to this idea of someone that you want to be, you just keep, keep not being able to hit that, those goals or, you know, those actions each week. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of what, what I've seen with my clients the most is, yeah, sometimes you need to modify, but then other times it's like, is it really realistic what we're trying to do? Or do we just need to change the day to day, the week to week thing, like make it three days instead of four days or yeah, I really like that, Libby. Uh, like I call it like the small promises or living in alignment or living with integrity or dignity or, you know, we could pick many words or concepts and that, yeah, when there's this misalignment with, yeah. with that and you're not being able to keep the promise, even, you know, sometimes we might not think about it on a conscious level, but the subconscious knows. The subconscious is, she's so clever. <laughs> so so the sub we're leaking energy and we're creating stress on a subconscious level because we can't keep the promises that we've made yeah I find it one of the most stressful things for my nervous system yeah which is why there's also protecting your energy of course and making sure that you know you're you, you have that energy that you need to give to yourself as well not just constantly giving to other people but but then yeah like just Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a matter of doing the things you promise yourself you're going to do and not being a little bitch, I guess, or whatever, whatever, like not being, you know, like doing them, getting up and doing them. But then other times there's that discrepancy, like you said, with, hey, it's actually not realistic right now. 
So I need to make sure that my healthy um, day-to-day life is realistic as well. Yeah. And that, again, that is also an art. You know, we only learn that through the practice. And I often tell my women, you're in the practice always. Just because you're not in the gym does not mean that you're not in the practice. Again, it's this pendulum idea of like, no, if you're you're choosing this and you want to be this woman, you're, that means you're in the practice all of the time. And so uh, part of that, what you were just speaking about, you know, can I keep my promises and uh, meeting yourself where you're at right now? That is part of the practice. Yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, we can learn from like the men in our life as well sometimes, I think, because they're very much sometimes we need a bit more of that too. Like they're very much like they just do what they need to do. They just like, of course, if they're really sick, you know, they need to sometimes listen to their body and that, but they, they do what they need to do. They go to the gym and they train hard and it's not like they, I know their, their hormones and that are different, but you know, taking a little bit of that even mindset or attitude and then bringing it into our own place and finding alignment with that. I think like, I mean, I've learned so much from my partner just about you know, not making excuses when you're, you're really just making an excuse, but you're making it about something else and those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, actually I really like where our conversation went today. It, it didn't even touch on an original concept or topic, but I actually, I, I think this is a really cool conversation. I think this is a really important conversation around, having the confidence to modify the training yeah 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 because when you have that confidence then you don't have to go by other people's rules as well of you know like what's it called the um cycle sinking and all that kind of stuff because you personally know your body so that's what makes it so important because otherwise you're just following rules when maybe you don't need to be yes um I really like that because over the last, what, five, six years, yeah, a lot of the training with the cycle stuff has come to, I like to call center stage. You know how we'll have like micro trends that come on board and like they come to the center stage. Yeah. Uh, And then if you really look at it, yeah, it's, you know, there are people in the work that are in the deep science and connect the physiology and performance. And then there are people on platforms that are creating rules or guidelines about what to do and when to do it and when not to do it. And that's what, you know, if you track, track your training, track your data, track your cycle, you write notes in your journal, you're collecting patterns on yourself Yourself. and no one can tell you that that is wrong because that is what your body is telling you. Therefore, you don't have to follow these trends or what people are saying to do something when and... um, And I think that's a really powerful thing. And we won't, we can do another conversation on it. I'd like to talk to you about um, why recovery and, you know, how well we feel is more Mm. important for our training than training with our cycle. I think that would be a really cool, powerful episode that we could do together. Uh, 
mostly to get into the recovery side of things and the fueling side and really talk about, okay, why are those things more important than us just looking at our cycles and training with our cycles? Um, And so that would be the next one that I'd love to do with you. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I actually see like with just quickly on that with clients, because I have one client in particular who is very sensitive to the luteal phase versus the follicular phase. Um, I feel like when you are more resilient, you're less sensitive to the changes. Now she is very sensitive, like from that day after ovulation, super change, everything changes. Right. But the interesting thing is the more muscle you have, so she becomes like a lot more insulin resistant and she has big blood sugar swings and glucose intolerance issues in the luteal phase. But the more muscle you have, the better you can handle that stuff, right? Because it's very much a regulator of like blood glucose, the ability to store the amount of blood of glucose your muscles can store is a crazy amount. So being able to build that muscle first will actually benefit those issues. But then it's almost like people just keep repeating the cycle where they're not doing enough to actually build muscle. So you're never going to like, yeah, you can only train hard for the three days and then, but you're not going to build muscle. And that's going to have the biggest impact on the luteal issues and the premenstrual cycle issues and all that. So yeah, that was just a little segment. No, and I, yeah, and I would love to, yeah, that's a teaser. That is like a teaser for our next one, because I want to get into that. And I want to talk about the importance of the strong nervous system and fueling well and recovering, and then the actual benefits of doing the strength training and the muscle to be metabolically strong. So then therefore we're not going to have cycles that are going to be messy and crashes after ovulation and you know, our cycle should be regular on time, pretty much without symptoms and not cause much of an impact really yeah. on our training and our performance. Subtle changes in your yeah. body. Yeah. But not these huge, crazy changes. Yeah. So that's a teaser for you. Um, Libby, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's so good to chat again. I always it's, have a good time. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's a pleasure to have you on and thank you for doing the work that you do. It's so important. I am so privileged to sit at the table with you. I'm, I feel the same about you. Yeah. I love that you're at my table. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Best table ever. Yeah. <laughs> We're at the table. We're at the big girl's table. So if you want to come and join us at the big girl's table, you're more than welcome to. Yep. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> okay, Liv, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.